Okay. All right. Welcome to the Panic Attack with Big John. Um, this is my WrestleMania 36 recap show. While my dog runs crazy and I watch my hair grow too long. Um, if you're on YouTube or the Anchor platform, like, share, and subscribe, please, and thank you. So I already got the stogie lit. Been smoking on it for an hour or two. While I watched WrestleMania. And, uh, to give background, I mean, I don't know if, why anyone other than a wrestling fan would listen to or watch this, but, uh, if you didn't know, this year's WrestleMania is, uh, under the cloud of the pan, the worldwide pandemic and the city of Tampa, where this was supposed to take place in a football stadium with 70,000 fans, uh, shut down everything, all public events. And so they had to find an alternative. And with WWE and WWF and WWWF, the theory is always the show must go on. So they recorded... WrestleMania at their training center, they call the Performance Center, in front of no fans, only uh, a couple cameramen, and the play-by-play -play announcers were, and the wrestlers, of course, <laughs> were there in the ring, in the in the arena, so to speak. So this brought us to the opening bout of night one. The first time WrestleMania has ever been broken up over two nights. Uh, in the early days, WrestleMania could have you know, five to eight matches on it. So it was you know like a three-hour show. The last couple years, it's gone seven or eight hours, which is just way too long for a wrestling show. And I think breaking the show up over two nights is uh, a, a direction they should always t they should take from now on. Uh, you know, fans could buy a ticket to night one and night two, or they could just buy a ticket to one or the other. Um, I, I think that would be a good idea. You might only have you know thirty five thousand people in attendance each night. And WWE always likes to say, we broke a new attendance record of 80,000 people. But no one cares about that but Vince McMahon. I don't care how many people are sitting in the audience. Um, so night one of WrestleMania 36 started out with... Um, well, it really started with Rob Gronkowski. But he did such a terrible job as this host... I'm not going to even talk about it. 
you had Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss challenging the Kabuki Warriors, Kyrie Sane, and Asuka. And Asuka's probably in the top two most entertaining people in wrestling right now. I mean, she just goes out there and has fun. Um, now, in her matches, she's very serious. But, you know, coming up to the ring and leading up to matches, she torments her opponents and dances, all kind of silly stuff. And she's just very entertaining to watch. Kyrie Sane uh, is a high flyer, very, very gifted athlete. Um, as are Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, Alexa Bliss's uh, twisted Bliss move off the top rope where she jumps and does a kind of 360 spin around in midair is, is phenomenal. Um, and it's very underrated athletically because of her looks, frankly. But uh, I've put, you know... Let's see. I just wrote for the women's tag team titles. Uh, it was a good match. It was just a solid wrestling match between four skilled competitors. Uh, the moves that I remember the most are uh, Nikki Cross had um, had Oscar pinned, and Kyrie Sane came off the top rope with her signature elbow drop. To break up the pin. And uh, then of course. The aforementioned. Twisted Bliss move. Of Alexa Bliss. But it was just an all around good wrestling match. I give it. 87 and a half stars. On the Dave Meltzer star scale. Um, the next match. Is hard to. Describe. Um, overall, I mean, it was a good match. There was kind of a, a little build up to it, uh, where a few weeks ago, Elias, the WWE's singing, guitar playing fellow, um, was attacked maliciously. By King Baron Corbin. Baron, if you don't know, is the reigning king of the ring, and because of that, he has to come out in like a fake fur shaw and a kind of medieval black king crown. Kind of cool. Just, I don't care for Baron Corbin. Um,. Baron Corbin loses to Elias in a good wrestling match. I give it three stars. Uh, the next match that um, was worthy of note. It, well, I mean, it's the third match on the card. So, the Nikki and Alexis versus uh, Kyrie and Asuka. 87 and a half stars. Uh, Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch. 
Beck starts out with Becky pulling up to the arena in her customized semi truck, and it, it was it was cute. You know, it's a WrestleMania entrance for a world champion. They usually get big entrances at WrestleMania, but because of the size of this uh, venue being small. Uh, she couldn't drive it out to the ring, like I guess was the initial plan. She just drove into the parking lot and got out with her championship belt on and walked into the building. Um, this one, I noted that it was a good thing to have an empty arena because you could hear the punches landing uh, the two women started out with a, a flurry of body shots to one another. And you could hear the, the impact of the punches. Now, it helped that Becky wears, uh, I don't know what it's made of. It's not leather. It's like a pleather, fake leather, plastic leather, kind of uh, full shirt almost. And she needs to find some more flattering ring attire. She's self-conscious, but she she needs to, you know, go with something a little more flattering, I think. But uh, you could hear, you know, Shayna's fist hitting Nikki's uh, or Becky's uh, plastic shirt. I guess it's plastic. I don't know. Patent leather, maybe. I don't know, cheap leather. Um, but you could hear the fist popping. And then there was a spot where Nick, uh, Shayna picks Nikki up by the legs while they're outside the ring and she smashes Nikki or Becky. Too many women with Y's at the end of their name or Y sounds. Uh, she hit, throws Becky up against the announce table and you can hear Becky hitting the announce table. If this was at a spectator-filled venue and an outdoor venue at that, you wouldn't be able to hear that impact as loud as you did in the enclosed small arena with no crowd. Now, I always like to hear the crowd reaction, but at WrestleMania's, it's hard to hear the crowd pop because for the last several years they've been at outdoor arenas. So the crowd noise goes out into the air. It's not held in by a roof. I also noted during this match that I miss good old JR, Jim Ross, the former voice of the WWE. Because these announcers are just going along with what Vince McMahon is yelling into their headsets. And that is hard. Very hard to do. When you're trying to talk and call play-by-play play and someone's yelling in your ear what to say. Um, Jim Ross never went to a pre-match meeting. He says he always did it on the fly so that his reactions to the wrestling moves would be 
genuine and realistic. Uh, you know, they have a little monitor in front of him, in front of them, the announcers do. And, you know, he said his life during the wrestling matches was all contained within that six-inch monitor. Um, specifically, one time he talked, I heard him say this about the night that Owen Hart died. When Owen fell from the ceiling, they were... Uh, rolling rolling tape, rolling take, however they say it. And he was watching on his monitor as Owen was supposed to be descending in this superhero-like gimmick. And then uh, he was watching on his monitor and he just saw Owen flash through the screen. And that's when he knew something went wrong. Uh, he didn't know how bad or you know what, because Owen was supposed to release the harness about, you know, five feet from the ring and then fall, stumbling around, and instead he just saw a blue streak flash through his screen, uh, because Owen was wearing blue ring attire at the time, but Jim Ross always said that his life during a wrestling match happened in that six-inch world, and he wanted to be able to react to the matches and not know what was going to happen. And these announcers were just very bland and boring and didn't give much to the story at all. Um, now, the next, moving on to the next match, we had Daniel Bryan versus... Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is the first Syrian-Canadian intercontinental champion. Uh, I say that because he's of Syrian descent and he lived in Canada. That's not an official title. Uh, but he is the intercontinental champion, which has always been uh, one of the workhorse belts of the wrestling it's always been the upper mid-card, the next in line to be world champion. And a lot of times, when, especially when Hulk was champion, his matches were like 5-10 minutes at the most. 10 minutes max. But the Intercontinental Champion, let's say Macho Man Savage or Ricky Steamboat, Greg the Hammer Valentine, uh, their matches would be 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, when Bret Hart was Intercontinental Champion, you knew you were going to see a 30 or 40 minute Intercontinental Championship match, and it was going to be a classic. Uh, the One of the best, maybe the best technical wrestling match ever at WrestleMania was WrestleMania 3, Ricky Steamboat versus Macho Man Savage for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, so anyways, back to Sami Zayn, Intercontinental Champion, defending against Daniel Bryan, or sometimes called Brian, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, or Daniel Bryan in the WWE. 
I'm confusing myself, so I'm probably confusing you. Sorry. Uh, Brian, I, I, the thing I like about Daniel Bryan is he's willing to put over or help people like Drew Gulak get over. And at first it was Drew Gulak was going to teach Daniel Bryan all the flaws in his wrestling match. And this has evolved into a partnership between uh, Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. Um, for most of the match, Sami Zayn did the old school heel gimmick where he just ran from Daniel Bryan. It was kind of cute. Um, oh, wait a minute. I totally skipped the ending to the Shayna Baszler-Becky Lynch match. Um, so, uh, the highlights of Shayna and Becky, aside from Shayna smashing Becky up against the announce table, Becky went for a disarm her, which is an arm bar, but she had Shayna's arm like draped across the top rope, which, of course, you can't submit your opponent that way. Um, and then... Okay, so this wrestling hold has gone from the... Oh, gosh. It, when I was a kid, it was called the sleeper hold. This is Shayna Baszler's finishing hold. It used to be called the sleeper hold. Then it was a rear naked choke, like they call it in mixed martial arts. Now it's called the Kokita Clutch. It's all the same move, but with three different names to suit the WWE's need. Uh, Shayna Baszler put, several times in the match, put the sleeper hold on Becky Lynch. Becky got out of it. The, the final time Becky was in the sleeper hold, she was going down on the mat, and she managed to flip herself over backwards to where she was on top of Shayna Baszler's shoulders, and she pinned Shayna for the one, two, three. Pretty good match. Um, I give both women credit. You know, they fought inside and outside the ring. They started out with uh, a flurry of punches to one another's midsections. Just both ladies fist flying at, uh, at first. And then, you know, Shayna went to a series of leg kicks, mixed martial arts style. Where, you know, in the octagon you'll see, you know, fighters kicking each other in the leg to uh, wear the opponent down. You know, take out the, the legs or the body and the head will fall, right? Um, and then it ended with Becky reversing the sleeper hold into a pin. Now, jumping back to Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental title. Um, you had a lot of... Daniel Bryan chasing Sami Zayn, who was doing the coward gimmick and running a lot. Um, good match. Uh, one thing I like about the empty arena is you can hear the wrestlers talking shit to each other. And it was pretty cool. At one point in the match, uh, Sami's begging for mercy, so to speak. He's not quitting or tapping out or saying, uh, I give, uh, that used to be how submissions and wrestling worked. It wasn't this tap out stuff. It was, I give, 
the referee would get up in the guy's face and say, do you give up? Do you give up? And he would say, I give. Uh, but Sammy wasn't doing that, but he broke down crying a couple of times while Daniel Bryan was beating him up. So that was funny. That was entertaining. Uh, I gave that match five stars. It was entertain. It entertained me. Becky and Shayna, I give uh, 97.3 stars because they're broads. And I like women's wrestling. Uh, I respect women athletes. I do. Um, so moving on to the next one. This match had some problems. Um, I heard a few days ago that Mike the Miz Mazanin came into the performance center with a fever. And so he was instantly sent out. Like, as all these wrestlers were coming in to perform their matches, they had to uh, get their temperature taken and checked. They didn't get a coronavirus test, but they had to get their temperature taken at least and check for any signs of uh, virus so they didn't spread it to the rest of the wrestlers. So the Miz could not wrestle. This put a predicament. So they turned this into a ladder match for the SmackDown tag team titles, which is good. Um, you had the Uso brothers versus the New Day versus Miz and Morrison. Since Miz couldn't be in the match, they shortened everything. So Kofi Kingston represented the New Day. John Morrison represented the Miz and Morrison. And Jimmy Uso represented the Uso brothers. And there were ladders and high spots galore. Um, the, the bad thing about this, though, is... There are a lot of ooh and ah moments. The best moment in this match was something that I hadn't seen before. Or, pardon me, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, is John Morrison tightrope walked the top rope. Kofi Kingston was sitting on a turnbuckle over cheer. And Morrison got on the turnbuckle over here. And you're like, what's he going to, is he going to try to jump over there? What's he going to, no, he ran across the top rope and then kicked or did a flip with Kofi Kingston. Uh, it, it was, it was amazing because I like, I didn't think anybody could do that. You know, the Undertaker used to walk the top rope while he was holding on to his opponent's arm. And I had seen the Undertaker walk the ropes without holding on to anybody, which is, a, for a man almost seven feet tall, is uh, phenomenal. Uh, that's why he's called the Phenom. But uh, I had been a long time since I'd seen anybody tightrope walk the top rope. Um, I think the last time was a Japanese wrestler at SummerSlam 1995, maybe. So Morrison did the tightrope walk. Um, that was pretty awesome. There were a lot of what had become typical or the same old ladder spots in a ladder match, which, you know, it, it's wild that 
you know, it, the ladders and tables and chairs start coming into wrestling. Well, chairs, they'd always hit each other with folding chairs forever. But um, the ladders start coming in in like the early 2000s. And, you know, I guess 20 years later, you know, it's kind of been played out. But there is a certain amount of drama that climbing the ladder and trying to get up the, to the top gives to the wrestling match. And so this match ends with all three wrestlers at the top of the ladder. All three have their hands, arms wrapped around the belts. Uh, and there's a, like a gold clothes hanger. And I got to look at the names again. Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston are holding on to the hanger. And John Morrison just happens to be holding on to the belts. So the hanger is taken off the hook by all three men. And usually whoever takes the hanger off the hook that's above the ring is the winner. Or whoever pulls the belts off the hanger. In this case, you have Kofi and Jimmy knock John Morrison off the ladder. He falls onto a second ladder that's between the ring ropes and the bottom of the ladder that they're all standing on. And at the end, Morrison is holding on to the belts. So here's two guys holding on to the hanger, looking at each other and looking down at Morrison. And then everyone's looking at the referee to see who is the winner because they all three had, you know, possession of the belts kind of simultaneously. <coughs> but it was determined by the ref or whoever was determined by the ref that because John, John Morrison had the belts in his arms as he fell, that his team was the winning team. So Miz and Morrison retained the SmackDown Tag Team titles. So then you go to a grudge match between Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. And this can't be called anything else. Light must throw you back up a little bit. These guys used to tear it up on the independent wrestling scene. And uh, also Ring of Honor, which I, I still consider Ring of Honor uh, in the top four wrestling federations. Uh, at one time, I considered them uh, number two to WWE, maybe even number one when it came to wrestling. Um, but anyways, Owens and Rollins have a history together. Um, and they brought that up in this match. They also brought up the fact that Seth was at one time proclaiming, we're returning to the WWE Performance Center, which I built and I made famous. And Owens goes, no, man, you almost killed the WWE Performance Center because of your terrible attitude when you came in and you thought you were better than everybody and you didn't belong in WWE NXT 
you didn't belong in the training ground and the proving ground. You thought you were better than all of us. And uh, Owens was right. Um, when Rollins came to the WWE, he thought he was supposed to go to like straight to, you know, Raw or SmackDown and become champion right off the bat. And he was talented enough to do that. But WWE had to hold him down till the time was right. And he didn't like that. So, uh, in reality, he almost destroyed the developmental territory that turned into NXT, the third brand of WWE. So, this match, um, I've, I've noted that I think uh, Seth Rollins' gimmick is shit. I don't like this Messiah gimmick. Um, there's only one Messiah in my book, Jesus Christ. And anybody that, even when Triple H came out calling himself the King of Kings, I took mild offense to because the Bible refers to Jesus as King of Kings. Um, but, you know, they even put like a picture on TV of Kevin Owens' face on a like plate glass window, which if you go to a lot of like, uh, old school churches, they have plate glass windows, and uh, some of the Catholic churches will have a mural of Jesus and Mary and, and you know, different biblical figures in plate glass. So I don't like this Monday Night Messiah gimmick that, or that Rollins is doing. Um, the highlight of the match is... Uh, the match really started to get good when Seth Rollins got disqualified for hitting Kevin Owens with the ring bell. Then Kevin Owens crawls back into the ring. You don't think he's going to be able to continue. He can't continue. He's out of breath. He can barely yell into the microphone. And he says, Seth Rollins, get back here. You think it's going to be that easy. It's not going to be that easy. No disqualifications from now on. Come on, get back down here. And so Seth returns to the ring. Ready to just kill Kevin Owens and end his career. And then he's beating on Kevin Owens outside the ring. And this is where, the again, the no crowd aspect of this WrestleMania makes it special. You can hear every hit. You can hear Owen scream in pain. You can hear Seth Rollins yelling at the referee, Shut up! It's no disqualification. It's no disqualification from now on. He said no disqualification. I can do whatever I want. It's no disqualification. And the ref is like, come on, get it in the ring, finish it in the ring. And then when Seth Rollins is arguing with the referee, Owens makes his comeback. They have the big WrestleMania logo that should have been hanging atop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium. And Seth Rollins has already cleared the announce tables that he's going to slam Kevin Owens through. And instead, Owens hits Rollins with the ring bell time and time again. And you hear the ring bell dinging as he's hitting Seth Rollins. 
and Rollins falls onto the table. Owens disappears backstage, and next he appears atop the, dub, the WrestleMania logo, and he dives off the WrestleMania logo, putting his elbow through Seth Rollins' chest and putting both men through the announce table. And you can hear their moans and their screams of pain. And Owens limps back to his feet, gets Seth Rollins back in the ring. Rollins is staggered. Owens rears back and kicks him in the stomach, hits him with the Stone Cold Stunner for the one, two, three. And Kevin Owens wins. Good match. I probably did a better match. Did better at calling a play-by-play -play on that match than the announcers did. And I'm sitting here in front of a computer at 11 o'clock at night. Okay? So, we have Owens beating Rollins in a four-and-a-half-star match. Good match. It picked up and got good after the no disqualification uh, by Kevin Owens came about. When Kevin Owens declared it. No disqualifications. Get back here, Rollins. Uh, next, you had Braun Strowman versus Bill Goldberg. This was originally slated to be Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. Um, because Roman Reigns has ongoing leukemia, which is in remission, but it's a kind of leukemia that's always in your system. Uh, and therefore he's got a weak immune system. He had to pull out of this match. So they last night on SmackDown, well, Friday night on SmackDown, depending on when you're watching this uh, or listening to this, they put Braun Strowman into the match. Uh, very short match, less than five minutes. At first, I was nervous because Goldberg came out spearing Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman gets back up from the spear. So Goldberg spears him again because Goldberg only has one wrestling move. And then Goldberg spears him a third time. And then Rollins, or bleh, I'm still on the last match. Braun Strowman takes control of the match. He power body slams. Bill Goldberg three times. And the third time is the charm. And the winner. And new Universal Heavyweight Champion. Braun Strowman. Alright. Pretty cool. Um, so I'm glad they got that belt off of Goldberg. He's not a full-time wrestler. He took it from the fiend Bray Wyatt. Which I don't like. But they, a lot of people point out to me, the Fiend gimmick is kind of starting to run its course already because they gave us so much so fast and they went with what the fans wanted. Um, I think there were two options to go with the Fiend character and they blew it at Hell in a Cell when the referee stopped the match for excessive violence. Um, and
And so, you need to either have the Fiend tear through the roster for a year, let him beat John Cena at this WrestleMania as the Universal Champion, and then maybe put him in a title versus retirement match at next WrestleMania versus The Undertaker, and have him just... The Fiend just tear through the roster for over a year. Instead, you know, that that didn't happen. Um, tomorrow night, The Fiend wrestles John Cena, which will be a, a good match. Uh, the last fight of the night was the Boneyard match. AJ Styles versus the Dead Man. Not really. So the Boneyard turns out to be a cemetery. Which maybe that's an old school name for cemeteries. I don't know. Um, and the Undertaker. Well, the mat, the 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 show, because this was like a movie scene, starts out with a hearse entering a cemetery, and you assume it's the Undertaker in the hearse. I just gave it away. And uh, the Druids are two guys in hoods come out hoods and robes get out of the front of the hearse they take a coffin out of the back and you think the coffin is going to be the undertaker and instead it's aj styles in there and so aj's looking for the undertaker where are you where are you undertaker come on i already dug you a grave and they show the grave made for the undertaker and in the background there's a john deere tractor all filled up with a front-end loader filled with dirt. Here comes the Undertaker on his motorcycle. He's the American badass again. Here comes the American badass, the Undertaker. And so they fight and they fight and they fight. And then the uh, Taker throws AJ into the grave and you think it's done. But no, there are Gallows and Anderson to help AJ out. And not only that, they've brought the Druids with them. And the walls of a barn fall down. And out come the Druids. And the Undertaker beats the Druids up one by one. Well then, Gallows and Anderson attack the Undertaker when he's not looking. Now the dead man is in the grave. And AJ Styles starts the tractor up and he's getting ready to dump the dirt on the dead man. When suddenly, floodlights come on behind AJ Styles. What's going on? And then out of nowhere, the Undertaker is standing behind AJ Styles. And so, Taker proceeds to beat AJ some more. And he's beating on AJ. And they're on top of the barn and they're fighting. And Gallows and Anderson get on top of the barn. And Undertaker throws Gallows off. Then he tombstone pile drivers Carl Anderson. Now it's only AJ Styles left. So he throws AJ off the top of the barn. They get back down to the ground. Taker's beating AJ's life out of him. 
AJ's begging, please don't bury me, please don't bury me. Undertaker gives him a hug and says, no boy, you've been brave. No other man has ever fought me like this. You've been brave. You don't think I'll really bury you, do you? And then Taker starts to walk away. And then he turns back to AJ and kicks him into the grave. And he gets on the tractor and he starts it up. And he fills the grave with dirt. And as the dead man walks away, they pan back to the grave and you see AJ Styles' hands sticking up through the dirt. And then Taker gets on his badass motorcycle and rides off into the darkness. The end of WrestleMania 36, night one. Very, uh, hell, the show's more entertaining with me fighting with my dog because she won't leave me alone and me doing commentary. But overall, I, I think it was an entertaining show. I think the fans not being there was a plus. I think it, it added to the match. Is uh, It gave a different dimension. You could hear the wrestlers talking trash to one another. You could hear the impact of punches, uh, slams, uh, crashes through tables. Uh, much clearer, obviously, than you would if there were a crowd. And much clearer than if it were in an open-air arena. So, I give it you know, a thumbs up, um, it was kind of, it was just there, and WWE was doing us a service to give us this show during a, what's a difficult time in America and in the world, they're also giving us three months free of WWE Network, so that's very cool of them also, so with that, I'm going to end this broadcast, I'm going to join a friend of mine on his podcast and uh, thank you pray for one another and god bless